Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. What's scamming my uh, generations of naive Americans who think the answer to success is as simple as envisioning yourself with more money rather than based heavily in a combination of luck and the class you're born into? I'm Robert Evans. This is Behind the Bastards. Uh, that was one of our better intros, I'd say. Uh, Sarah June uh, is our guest today. How do, you, how do you feel about that intro? I feel like that um, was simultaneously very, very broad and very, very specific. Um, you've, you've managed to cover everybody uh, and see into our souls and our deepest fears. Yeah, yeah. That's, so I, I love our deepest fears. I love our deepest fears. Big fan. Well, I'm Robert Evans, and this is Behind the Bastards, the podcast where we tell you about the worst people in all of history. And of course, the terrible historical person we're talking about today is Napoleon Hill. This is part two of our episode on old Nappy H. So when we left off, Napoleon had finally come up with his first really great idea that didn't involve creating a fake school or fleeing from angry mobs after robbing them blind. I mean, those were very good Um, ideas, but still not close to Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, yeah, and think well, this is not, not close to the, the success yet. quest. Yeah, yeah, this is this is the laws of su- law of success. So we're not at think and grow rich yet. This is his oh, first okay. book, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so he has this great idea for a book, and he's got a publisher who's interested in it, and he just needs to convince this guy that he's wealthy, so that the dude will believe that he has actually spent twenty years interviewing the most successful people in history. This sounds like a great uh, sitcom premise. It is a great sitcom premise. You could really make a fun movie. It sounds like a really fun episode of a sitcom. Oh, I got to convince them I'm rich. You know, I feel like Steve Carell would knock Napoleon Hill out of the fucking park. Steve as a Carell role. knocks, I, think I mean, could... let's be honest, everything out of the fucking yeah. park. But yes, he would. Yeah, yeah, he would yeah. be really he good be... at this as, as a blustering yeah, he... con man. 
Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would watch that movie. Mm. And for young Steve Carell, we get, I don't know, one of the Jonas Brothers probably. Get those get those kids in the seats. <laughs> Wait, yeah. How old do you think the Jonas Brothers are? What, uh, 11? They're, like, they're in their 20s now. The Jonas Brothers are, are adults now. I'm going to be honest. The last pop culture that I remember really, really clearly were like those cups with Space Jam stuff printed on them at mm-hmm. McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. Everything after that is just a blur. Well, that okay. Let's not let's not bother Robert with what year it is. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's move on. I feel like I don't want to break you out of this trance because you're like a sleepwalker and you might pee on me or something. People still like Space Jam, right? Absolutely, but uh, not a, not in the way you think. We've That's got this new thing called irony. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Napoleon's got to convince this guy that he's rich so that he can sell his book idea. And once again, in order to do this, Napoleon leaned on the wealthy family of one of his wives. I think he's up to his like third or fourth now. I kind of have trouble keeping track of them. There's a lot of wives at play in yeah, this story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a wife so is really bo- just another type of scam. <laughs> yeah, a wife is basically a debit card to, to Napoleon Hill. Yeah. <laughs> here's, the, here's the secret to Napoleon's success. A wife, a wife is a scam. Yeah, a wife is a scam too. Everything's a scam if you look at it, right? So... Napoleon borrows money from his wife's brother to rent a gigantic fancy hotel room in Philadelphia uh, so that he can pretend to be a big shot businessman rather than a guy who has spent most of the last decade literally robbing churches and elementary schools. And then uh, running away from the police. Yeah. <laughs> All and then running the away States. from the police. Yeah, all across the country. So I'm going to quote again from his biography A Lifetime of Riches. He made a grand entrance, striding with starched purposefulness to the registration desk. He flashed a thick roll of cash as he put down the deposit on his room, then strutted to the elevator with the self-assurance of a Rockefeller. Ascending to his suite, he regally dispatched the bellboy to fetch him the tobacconist's most expensive cigars. He rejected the first offering of simply excellent cigars, then tipped the boy four times the going rate for his trouble. So... All this is happening before Pelton even arrives to meet with Napoleon. Yeah, he's getting in character. He's getting in character, and he's establishing, like, his goal was to make an entrance and establish himself as a rich big shot before Pelton arrives, Mm -hmm. so that when the publisher shows up to talk with him, the hotel staff will treat him like he's a big shot. Right. Like, that's the con, which is a pretty smart con. Yeah, he's laying the Um, groundwork. And it apparently works. Like, the hotel staff treats him like royalty. Pelton's impressed and assumes that he's actually a rich guy. So Pelton agrees to publish Law of Success, which will be not just one book, but a multi-volume epic. And he even pays Napoleon a healthy advance. Now, you might imagine that a man in Napoleon's situation, whose wife has been supporting the family for more than a year, and whose family had just loaned him the money that he needed to make his dreams possible, Mm -hmm. you might expect that guy to at least, like, pay his brother-in-law back? Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But no, Napoleon does not do that. He's not a pay people back sort of guy. Uh, this he keeps is all of the royalty money scam. for himself. <laughs> Paying yeah, people yeah. is not scam. Now, you might also have expected this guy who has like had his wife and kids living with like their family all this time. You might expect him to like say, "Okay, well now we can all move into a place together since I just got this advance, and we can all live together as a family while I write this book." Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen either. That's uh, not really one of the he... laws of success. No, it's not. The law of success is apparently continuing to live in Philadelphia, abandoning his family and and writing books, um, which is what Napoleon does during this period of time. Mm. 
So now during this month, uh, these months, Napoleon keeps writing his wife lurid letters detailing the lavish gifts he plans to buy for her upon uh, like once his book is a success and the money comes in. Mm -hmm. He promised her that if she just held on a little bit longer and let him work alone in Philadelphia, the money would come rolling in and their troubles would be over forever. And part of this was actually true. Um, because by dumb luck, sheer dumb luck, Napoleon's book, Law of Success, is a gigantic hit, and he makes a huge amount of money with it. Well, here's the by thing. Midnight... I wouldn't call that dumb yeah. luck. You know, I think, yeah. I think it's he a put good in the groundwork. scam. Yeah, yeah, he did put in the groundwork. You're right. He put I'll in the groundwork. The he wrote a whole book. He wrote something that uh, was, he, first of all, he did something that was f- almost free for him to do, right? Which is like write a book, yeah. right? He's got this advance. It's a very low-cost endeavor, you know, writing a yeah. book. And so, you know, he's just making profit, and he's selling something by by telling people what they want to hear, which is you can get rich quick, and uh, it is, it's, it's within your control. Uh, and he's also telling rich people, you're rich because you're very good and smart. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Napoleon, you're right. Napoleon put in the work, and he gets successful. And by mid-1928, his royalty checks uh, were more than $2,500 a month, which is the modern equivalent of making thirty-six grand a month. Damn. And um, is this really, so like, probably the first honest money he's ever made? Yeah, this is the f- the first honest money that he's ever made in wow. his life. Now, it's interesting to wonder about, like, why this book was such a hit. Hill's biographers posit this theory, quote, Law of success might well have been discarded as the ravings of a lunatic, but for the fact that much of Hill's most improbable conjecture was spun from the musings of men like Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham Bell. Thus anchored in respectability, these passages stimulated readers to wonder, to ponder life on a grander scale, more than any self-help book ever has before or since. Again, this is written by the people who are with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, Mm -hmm. so they think this is the best book ever written. Right. And he Um, also made up all of these quotes. Yeah, he made all of these quotes. These are all lies. Matt Novak of Gizmodo reached out to David Nassau, who was Andrew Carnegie's official biographer, uh-huh. uh, and Nassau told him that he found no evidence of any kind that Carnegie and Hill ever met. So there's yeah. there is zero. Oh, I mean, Thomas Edison. Yeah. Come on, you know, Ta- fucking. Oddly enough, that's the only one of them he met. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's we'll talk about it later. You're gonna like this. Okay. But that is the one famous person he writes about in the book that he did meet. Um, but it's not quite the way he portrays it. Uh, but first, I want to I want to read a quote from that Gizmodo article about how he portrays Carnegie in his book. Quote: Opening Hill's book to any random page and reading the drivel passed off as Carnegie's own words is a fun game. As just one random ex- example from page ninety-seven in my copy, this is like written as a conversation. Yeah. Hill, will you tell me in the simplest words possible just how one may control this wheel of fortune? I would like a description of this important success factor, which the young man or young woman just beginning a business career may understand. Carnegie, first of all, to control the wheel of fortune, one must understand, master, and apply the 17 principles of achievement. I have already named five of these principles, and I might here suggest that these five, if properly applied, will carry one a long way on the road towards success in any calling. It's this is just like the the great grandfather of an entire genre of bullshit yeah. success books about yeah. like you know the it's uh you know to to quote Peep Show it's business secrets of the pharaohs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the idea that like Carnegie is like no, there's 17 principles of yeah. success and those allow you to run the wheel of fortune and yeah. that's how business works. Like rich rich <laughs> guys aren't sitting around like mapping out their success into abstract principles. They're they're looking at spreadsheets and going eh, kill all those people. 
You yeah, know? there's there's two kinds of great businessmen. There's the look at spreadsheets and say, kill all those people, we'll make an extra four bucks. And then there's the guys who are literally just like, eh, what if we try doing this? Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what if we make a computer that like does this thing? Or yeah. like, what if we what if we make this purple? Like, we'll see if it sells money. Yeah, a lot Let's of make them darts are, that are kids people throw who at each other. born with a lot of money or given a lot yeah. of money, you know, like Trump or whatever, where it's like, well, maybe if someone gives me a million dollars, I can buy a building and make three million dollars, you know? There's no principles at work there. <laughs> yeah. It's just profit. Yeah, it's those guys. Buy something guys people and need and charge the them more guys. than they can afford for it until they die. Yeah, that's literally the only rule that's of success. That's a great business secret. Yeah, uh, find something people need and sell it to them until they die. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> you've, you've, you should put out a book. I, You know what? I'm tweeting it for free, buddy. I'm just kidding. I don't tweet. Uh, but yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> You're all welcome oh, for these business no. secrets. Can you imagine Napoleon Hill's Twitter? Absolutely. I think uh yeah. wow, he would be so fucking good. He would be tweeting he would be crazy. Amazing. He would be like Marianne Williamson like meets Trump level yeah. tweets. Oh god, he would definitely be part of the Democratic debates. He would totally oh. be running. Oh my god. Oh. Him and Hickenlooper would be buddies. <laughs> I don't think many people got along with Napoleon Hill. That's a very long. good point. <laughs> Hick and Looper would show up at the next debate with like pantsless because Napoleon had stolen them and <laughs> quit town. <laughs> oh boy! Now, uh, so in reality, as uh, we I alluded to a little earlier, only one of the famous men that Napoleon Hill claimed to have interviewed actually had any face to face contact with him, and that man was Thomas Alva Edison. Now, if you remember from part one uh, and that Golden Rule magazine that he ran for a while, uh, that he would like come up with bogus awards to give prominent people in order to get close to them because he believed that that's you know that was his strategy for it, a tactic. Well, his meeting of Thomas Edison is another example of that. Um, the whole scheme was discussed in a December nineteen twenty three article of Specialty Salesman magazine titled "Destroyers of Confidence." Quote, Hill figured out how he could have a picture made with Thomas A. Edison so he could give him a medal. He sent a press agent over to announce that Mr. Hill, one of the leading magazine writers, wished to attend the Edison Convention of Dealers. Of course he was welcome. He asked Mr. Edison to pose with him, a request he could hardly refuse. So then the two guys uh, shook hands, and uh, he tried to hand Thomas Edison this medal that he, like, supposedly was awarding him. Mm -hmm. But Edison, like, seems to have immediately realized what was going on and, like, wouldn't even take the medal. But <laughs> Napoleon got a fucking picture with him. Dude, and this guy would have been so fucking good at Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what this is, is he just he just comes up with a, a lie long enough to get a picture with Thomas Edison, mm -hmm. and then for the rest of his life, he circulates that picture of him with Edison as proof of like, no, I did talk to all these famous right. people. Here's casually a picture of me with Edison. Yeah. Um, look how comfortable yeah. he looks. Look how comfortable he looks. Uh, so the photo, he, I'm, I want to read you the caption that Napoleon Hill wrote for the photo of him and Edison. Mm-hmm. Two of America's famous men, Thomas A. Edison left and Napoleon Hill, Mr. Edison is the inventor of the talking machine, the electric light, the moving picture, and scores of other things that serve mankind. Mr. Hill is the editor of Napoleon Hill's magazine and the new Philistine magazine and believes in making the golden rule the rule of all human conduct. Edison was born of poor parents and began his career as a news butcher on a train. Hill began as a laborer in the coal mines. Both have risen to fame through their own efforts. I do love that he has changed... Uh, covering for the murder of a black boy 
and getting made the manager of a coal mine into laboring in the coal mines. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like, all in it's all in how you finesse it. That's some pretty intense finessing. Yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> I mean, it's not great, but yeah. it's it's <laughs> it's, it's actually terrible. It's uh, what uh, the yeah. word I'm looking for is it's very terrible. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. But you know, it's good to remember this during campaign season. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if you've paid attention here, you probably noticed a through line in Hill's writing. Uh, he's focused entirely on the idea that people rise to fame and wealth only through their own efforts, and that people consequently fail only through their own efforts. Mm-hmm. Hill was not the first person to want to popularize this sort of thinking, but he was the first person to phrase it in a way that made it seem mystical, spiritual, and most importantly, marketable. For this reason, he's still known by many people today as the godfather of the modern-day self-help genre. And what's so brilliant about this to me, if you want to, like, talk about this from a, I don't know, like, a a, a class, like, analyze this the way that uh, someone like Friedrich Engels would, uh, for a long time, people at the top of society, the kings and the queens and the nobles and whatnot, had to, like, come up with it. Like, divine right of kings justifies why I have all this money and you don't, because Mm -hmm. it's God's will that I should rule you. And, like, that stops working because we've got, in part, because we got democracy, because mm-hmm. we've got newspapers, because people, like, you know, things change and that no longer works. And this is a brilliant way to justify that in the same way, but to make people feel empowered by embracing it. So instead of them just being like, well, the king's the king and I got to accept that or he'll kill me or God will kill me. Yeah. Instead, you're like, well, I'm just poor right now because my mind's not positive enough and it's my th- thinking. Like, it's... Uh, yeah. It's one of those things that would almost make you believe in a conspiracy because it's it's a genius way to stop people from eating the rich. Yeah. <laughs> it's making this popular. Totally. Um, because if it's I believe like, yes, Nepo- you know, yeah. yes, you're bad, but you could be good if you thought hard enough. Yeah, if you thought hard enough about it. You know, it. and all these positive thoughts that poor people are having um, actually do not affect the rich in any way. I'm thinking real hard but- about wealth redistribution. Yeah, uh, so are a lot of us. It doesn't seem to be helping. (laughs) As I stated in some previous podcasts we recorded, what helps more than thinking about wealth distribution is everybody going out, buying a pair of bolt cutters. Just make sure you have those with you, you know. They'll they'll be handy one of these days. They're in my trunk, buddy. (laughs) So... Uh, anyway, now Hill's book is a huge success. He's making fuckloads of money. Uh, and now that he's actually finally wealthy for the first time, he starts spending money like it caused cancer. Uh, he bought two Rolls Royces and a mansion on 600 acres, which he named Shagbark for reasons that are lost to history. Uh, this giant mansion was, of course, way out of his price range, so he conned some investors into buying into it with him with the oh idea God, that he was dude. going to turn Shagbark into the world's first, what he called the world's first university-sized success school. So that's his first idea. And then over time, the success school morphs into a success colony. So now he plans to like make a utopian community uh, where he's going to make human beings better. Okay, this guy can't even have a best-selling book without turning it into a scam. Like this is scam on scam on scam at this point. Like it's always everything's got to be a scam with him. He's got some money finally, but he's got to, you know, he's got this pathological need to fucking scam people. Yeah, it's what they all do. It's like it's why Donald Trump is like buying from his own properties in a basically illegal manner, like yeah. in order to make more money while he's president. Like the, the con of becoming the president, that's not enough. Like I've gotta, 
also use the presidency to enrich my businesses. It's like uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, like, well, you know what? No, it's not like L. Ron Hubbard. Because not everything L. is Ron like L. Ron Hubbard. Hubbard, Robert. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's he's unique and beautiful, and I Thank just you. like thinking about him. Um, I just he like is, thinking about him. He's very, guy. he's an iconic cult leader. Yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, so, and, and for a little while, just by the sheer success of his first book, it looked like he might actually start a success college or a success colony. Um, and more importantly, for a very brief chunk of time, Napoleon Hill actually made good on the things he promised his wives, um, or one of his wives. Uh, for a few precious months, he and his wife Florence and their three children all occupied the same home. He actually got her the mansion that he promised her. Wow. So that's nice. Yeah, well. Now, it only lasted a few months. Yeah. <laughs> because Napoleon all very- worth it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he almost immediately got sick of this and started leaving home to go on speaking tours which some of which were legitimate, but most of which were probably just him having sex with prostitutes. Mm-hmm. So the cash started to roll in in late 1928 and throughout 1929, but then the Great Depression hits, and it puts an end to Napoleon's money spigot. The ro- royalty checks Peter out, his uh, stupid mansion is foreclosed on, and his family has to move back in with his wife's parents. Mm. Now... His family moves back with his wife's parents. Napoleon remains in New York City so he can write his second book, which he calls The Magic Ladder to Success. Hmm. But this wound up being so badly written that his publisher was unwilling to bother printing it. <laughs> Wait, after so, after all the shit he wrote in The Law of Success, the publisher is yeah. like, I can't put, like, the publisher has standards now? Uh, it may just have been this was just a worse book. Oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I never read it. Right. The magic ladder to success. Maybe he just lost his his mojo. Yeah. Um, Maybe so, he became like, when, like a like when a comedian gets rich and then all their material is about rich people problems. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's that's kind of what like, happens. Oh, Except for he's not, not rich anymore. anymore. He's not rich for very long. Yeah. Because he immediately goes wildly in debt. Um. So like with most of America, the Great Depression was a dark time for Napoleon. He spends most of it broke, engaged in one scam or another, and I I, I can't detail all of that. Uh, you should have a feel for the man's style by now. Yep. He keeps scamming throughout the it. Depression. Petty shit. Uh, in 1935, Florence finally filed for divorce. Uh, Napoleon didn't bother to contest it. Now, there are two different versions of Napoleon's life, reality and the version self-help aficionados who still love his work believe today. In that version of events, Napoleon Hill was still poor during the Great Depression, but he was also somehow hired by FDR to save the country from the Depression. Um, And, of course, Napoleon claims he refused to be paid for this work, and so everybody thought he was crazy for refusing to take money from the president Hmm. for helping solve the Depression. But he totally solved the Depression. Matt Novak writes, quote, Years later, he would claim that he was approached by the Roosevelt administration to help instill confidence in the American economy. As Hill's biographers note, his personal record of his relationship with Franklin Delano Roosevelt and FDR's administration was surprisingly scant. And their pol- political views were polar opposites, with Hill being an arch-conservative. But somehow they made it work, and Hill's ideas were injected into FDR's New Deal program, supposedly what? imploring labor unions to be more cooperative with management at various companies. Again, this was all according to Napoleon Hill, an anti-union arch-conservative who claimed to have written some of FDR's speeches and even to coin the phrase, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. <laughs> what? This yeah. guy will not stop. No, he can't. He can't. And I... I, I should note, he also claimed later in life that during World War One he'd been a personal advisor to Woodrow Wilson, 
and claimed that on the day that Germany surrendered, he was sitting next to Woodrow Wilson when he got the telegram, and that he advised Wilson personally that he had to make the Kaiser's abdication a necessary requirement for accepting the surrender. So Napoleon Hill takes credit for getting rid of the Kaiser. Wow. He's just like, he's everywhere. He's like a... um, What's his fucking name? Like a Forrest Gump. That's the p- the picture he wants yeah, to portray. Yeah, he's Forrest he's Gump. Like, he's like, you know, he's Zelig. He's fucking everywhere. He's everywhere at yeah, once he, throughout history. He's the one He's the one that kills Hitler. <laughs> yes. That's how he wants people to see him. But he was also poor. Uh, while, while being a personal yeah, advisor he, to the president, also still poor and humble. Yeah, still poor and humble. He is honest about the fact that he was fucking broke during this period of time. Um. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will say admitting that he spent much of his life poor as shit is the one thing Napoleon Hill is honest about, kind of consistently. Um, now, after Florence left him, he was completely cut off from her family money. So he made ends meet by sundry scams and by continuing to cash in on the success of his first book by giving lectures. During one of these lectures in Tennessee, which is essentially a self-help seminar in like 1936, he mentions that he's looking for his dream girl. He says this like during a lecture, he's giving a bunch of strangers, which fuck? seems weird to me. Yeah. This but so a young creepy. woman in the audience, what's crazier is a young woman in the audience, Rosalie Beeland, makes a beeline for Napoleon after oh, the no. lecture and is like, I'm totally fucking down. Let's do this shit. Wow. Yeah. Think and get laid, buddy. <laughs> Think and get laid. Um, uh, it's time to go to ad. It is time to go to ads. You know what goes better with, is better than getting la- laid? Nope, that's not a good you know transition. What's, you know what's shit. better than sex? Products and services. <laughs> products and services. And the best of all are products and services that enable sex, like the wonderful dick pills that we advertise on this show. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. On average, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So, if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds aren't looking that great. Luckily, you have a 100% guaranteed way to save you money this year. Just switch to Mint Mobile. Right now, Mint Mobile has wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. If you hate your phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data on the nation's largest 5G network. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. So switch to Mint Mobile and get your first three months of premium wireless 
starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. We're back. Great products. Good services. So you're telling me that Napoleon Hill manifested not only incredible wealth, but also his dream girl just by lying his entire life about Kinda, everything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although dream girl would be putting it a bit strong. Um, I think you might like what happens with Rosalie. Um, it doesn't go the way I expected it to. Uh, so the two were married within days. Napoleon was 53 and Rosa was 29, um, which seems like it could potentially have been a dangerous and exploitative situation, but it was literally the opposite. See, Rosa was just as much of a con man as Napoleon Hill. (laughs) She wanted to make a fuckload of money selling nonsense self-help advice, and she knew Napoleon was her vehicle to doing that. Yeah. So immediately after their wedding, they sit down to write a new book, Think and Grow Rich. The couple moves in with Napoleon's son, Blair, and his wife in, a ti- in their tiny New York apartment so they can stay off the street while they work on this book because neither has any money. Now, Napoleon's son, Blair, was literally the last person he had to lean on. None of his other children would even talk to him as he had habitually burned every single bridge that he came across in life. <laughs> so once Blair, and Blair is, again, the deaf son he refused to teach sign language oh to. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. That son so, takes pity on his terrible dad and is like, yes, that son you takes and your pity wife can live with me while you write another book of awful bullshit. It gets even worse. So once Blair and his wife Vera start hosting Napoleon and uh, and his new wife, um, things quickly get bad, uh, both because Napoleon is an asshole and also because yeah, mainly just because Napoleon's an asshole. Um, and he particularly hated his husband's wife, uh, according Wait, to Hill's own. Yeah, he hated his, or he hated his, uh, his son's wife. 
Oh, oh, so Napoleon Hill really didn't like his son's wife. Vera. Yeah, he hates Vera. Okay. According to his own biography, quote, She bore the full brunt of Napoleon's ability to unashamedly heckle and hound people he didn't like. Vera endured several months of Knapp's nastiest bullying and sniping, then finally left Blair and moved back to West Virginia. Blair soon returned to West Virginia, too, after loaning his father enough money to subsist for several more months. Blair and Vera tried to rebuild their marriage, but several years later were divorced. Although Blair went on to become an eminently successful businessman and a lovely and a beloved community leader, he never remarried. So... Napoleon wow. gets taken in by his son, kicks them out of their own apartment, and ruins their marriage. Wow. And gets hundreds of dollars from him. Yeah. Um, this yeah. guy like just doesn't give a shit about anything or anybody. No, he is a total piece of shit. Wow. Now, Napoleon and his wife, while living at the apartment they stole from his son, finished mm. their new book. Uh, and Rosa was an integral part of the entire process because Napoleon was a terrible writer and she was apparently a pretty good editor. So she manages to like edit his ramblings into something other human beings would enjoy reading. <laughs> the book had to be rewritten three times, but eventually the couple got it right and they succeeded in convincing Hill's old publisher Pelton to give him a second try. Think and Grow Rich is one of those books that is hard to uh, oversell the success of and it like and, – and, overemphasize its impact on society. By some counts, it sold as many as 20 million copies. Now, that number's probably a big exaggeration, but 10 million might not be. Like, it was a hugely successful book. Um, I've seen it on the bookshelves of more people than I can count. Like, it's just, it's everywhere. Any um, any used bookstore you go to will have yeah. one or a few copies of Thinking Grow yeah. Rich. Uh, yeah, it's fucking everywhere, and it's still very, very common and very popular. Um, and a lot of that's to do with the fact that, like, I d I've never, I've never read it, but I think it's, people say it's a, a well-written self-help book, which mm -hmm. I think is probably mostly due to Rosalie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Think and Grow Rich was essentially just a refining and rehashing of the best parts of Napoleon's first book, uh, Law of Success. I found a 2015 write-up of the book on Business Insider. It was titled, 78 years ago, a journalist studied 500 rich men and boiled down their success into 13 steps. Now... <laughs> <laughs> Calling Mr. Hill a journalist stretches the definition of that word maybe more than it's ever been stretched. Yeah. Like, I can't think of anyone who is less of a journalist yeah. than Napoleon Hill. He was, he, even when he was writing for a newspaper, he was mostly full of shit. And, yeah, then, and it, then he didn't write for newspapers anymore. So he didn't even call yeah. himself a journalist. No, he's closer to being a lumber salesman. Yeah, he called himself a businessman. Yeah. So, uh, the Business Insider write-up confusingly summarizes Hill's work this way. Quote, Think and Grow Rich shares what he calls the money-making secrets in 13 principles. There's no mention of money, wealth, finances, or stocks within Hill's text. He takes a different approach, focusing on breaking down the psychological barriers that prevent many of us from attaining our own fortunes. These money-making secrets include such bold and mind-blowing strategies as desire riches instead of wishing for them. Uh, Napoleon wrote, quote, Wishing will not bring riches, but desiring riches with a state of mind that becomes an obsession, then planning definite ways and means to acquire riches, and backing those plans with persistence, which does recognize that was two failure. Different, yeah? That was different steps. First you had desiring, mm -hmm. and then you had making a plan and, and taking action. Yeah. Those are different things. Yeah. Well, he says, he says, yeah, like the, the idea that he's saying desire riches instead of wishing for them is nonsense because yeah. he's, his description of desiring riches is, is like the same, like there's no difference between desiring something and wishing for it. Yeah. Um, like it's it's just, 
nonsense. Uh, like, and it's uh, like you could say that it's good advice to say like, yeah, be, if you want to be successful, be obsessed with the thing you want to do. Plan ways to like make it happen. Back those plans with persistence. Don't accept failure. But like, again. That's not a guide. That's obvious. It's like yeah. me selling myself as a marathon coach by saying, so you just run for 26.2 miles and don't stop. And if you, as don't stop. For any reason, don't stop. Just keep going and you'll finish the marathon. And you know what? Like, if, you, if you fall and you can't run anymore, that's not my fault. It, it would be more like saying, if you fall and can't run anymore, I suggest getting up and continuing to run. <laughs> Here's the thing. You have to desire finishing the race and then you have to do mm-hmm. it. It's like, yeah. It, That's it's how you not, achieve uh, success. It's very easy. You just, you think about it and then you do it. I mean, I don't know how I can make this any easier for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. The secret to success is, is being planning successful. a way to succeed and then doing it. Yep. Yeah. He's not just saying be successful. He's saying make a plan to be successful, but yep. that's still not useful information. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, another thing that's included in his book, or another one of the steps included in his book, is faith. Uh, he notes, Riches begin in the form of thought. The amount is limited only by the person in whose mind the thought is put into action. Faith removes limitations. Yeah. So Think and Grow Rich, as you may have guessed by now, is the book that popularized affirmations, uh, which is the idea of like writing down a bunch of times per day, I'm going to get this grade on a test, or I'm going to make this much money, or I'm going to get this job. Yeah, a big part of affirmations is basically the idea that they they trick your brain into, you know, creating new thought patterns by forcing yourself to repeat thoughts that are, you know, positive or or desired um, over and over aloud or by writing them down. And then by doing so, it's just like, you know, it'll just, uh, you, you trick your brain and then you... Think a different way. And Hill didn't call them affirmations. He called it the principle of Mm auto-suggestion. But it's the same thing. Like, the idea is the same. And usually, Um, like, affirmations now are generally, um, it's generally considered important that they be in the form of a statement rather than a predictive future statement. Like, an I am rich versus, like, I will be rich, you know. Ah, yeah, yeah. This whole scam has evolved so much over the years. It's always heartening to hear about how... (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Think and Grow Rich, like I said, sold like hotcakes. Uh, And as someone who has never been drawn to self-help books, I can't really explain why, but people loved it, and they still love it. Uh, And I've met a lot of, like, reasonable, intelligent people who I respect who have this book on their shelves somewhere and presumably found value in it. So if you're one of those people, uh, I have no desire to to shit on you or the fact that you found value uh, in it. Um, but I do think it's funny that Napoleon Hill wrote about sex transmutation, so we're going to talk about that some. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Um, From Think and Grow Rich, quote, The desire for sexual expression is by far the strongest and most impelling of all the human emotions. For this very reason, this desire, when harnessed and transmuted into action other than that of physical expression, may raise one to the status of a genius. Uh Uh-oh, okay, he's a no-fap guy. Yeah, he's a no fab. You you pulled it. You got it. Yeah. I didn't. Ah, I, uh, okay. So I actually, I actually, so no fap is like a community on Reddit of people who don't masturbate. And there are other places too. Like the Proud Boys have a no masturbation rule. It's like a thing some groups of people have. This idea that like if you don't masturbate, you can transmute your sexual energy that you would lose if you came into uh, whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, um, whether I mean, like you know, it's it's also like why I think monks, you know, monks aren't allowed to jerk off because you know you're you have to all of the energy in your body has to be channeled towards the greater purpose, whether that is uh, being a Nazi or loving God or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, I have to note that with literally about a fucking second worth of googling, I found a Reddit thread in the NoFap subreddit titled "What Napoleon Hill <laughs> thought, thought of NoFap in 1938." <laughs> Wow. Now, I'm just going to read you one of the exchanges from that thread, okay? Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> so it starts It starts with a guy named, with the username Rocky Mountain Oysters, which okay. are testicles, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, quoting Napoleon Hill. So here's the Napoleon Hill quote. Controlled sex supplies the magnetic force that attracts people to one another. It is the most important factor of a pleasing personality. It gives quality to the tone of the voice and enables one to convey through the voice any feeling desired. And then the person quoting this Rocky Mountain Oysters writes underneath that, Somebody who hadn't seen me in about a year was just telling me tonight that my voice lessons must be working because the tone of my voice while I was singing sounds so good. In reality, I quit the voice lessons more than a year ago. I just sound good at the moment because I've been a good no-fapper for a week and a half. Oh, my God. And then the response to this is someone else who says, I'm a singer, too. And I found that at times when I'm sexually sober, it feels like my voice electrifies the air around it. Also, I understand that Frank Sinatra used to sleep with a different woman every night, except when he was getting ready to record an album. (laughs) Maybe that's why he was such a shitty singer. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow. Um, I mean, you know, the great thing about NoFap is that there's such a huge historical precedent for it. And these guys, yeah. like, all they really want is is proof that other men throughout history have done the same thing as them and have been great. Uh, yeah. So, like, all of these, these, these forums are just guys being like, see, Aristotle said it, you know, so it's got to be true kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I dated a guy once who told me that he thought... Um, women were less attracted to him when he wore deodorant like because of pheromones or whatever and i was like (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i don't think that's true i think you're just being a dick to people and that's why they don't like you yeah it's uh i i i I love the little theories people come up with for the things that they just want to do i mean it's so crazy too because like i mean just like the think and grow rich thing there are I can see how part of this like works. You know what I mean? I can see like a kernel of truth in this or, yeah. or how for some people it does work. Like if you're in the state of mind where, you know, you have you have money making opportunities uh, but or you have talent, but you just are uh, paralyzed, you know, by self-loathing or, or old ways of thinking. And I can see why reading a self-help book that well, states the obvious, you know, which is think about what you want and then make a plan for it. It's like very, very helpful, you know, and uh, and, and is good. The, it's the same thing with like with this no fap stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I can see if you're a creative person, if you're a musician, or if you're a writer, uh, and you're in the process of you, you're you're going to put on a show, or you're like writing something, and you want to have you you like want to be able to bring that like powerful like sexual sort of like impulse to it i can see yeah if you stop masturbating you don't have sex for a few days like yeah maybe you'll be in a mind state and better able to like convey that if you're like singing a song about how badly you want to fuck somebody and you're frank sinatra maybe yeah don't you want to be horny as shit when you're when you're recording that song i I get that it's just like it's like a focus thing it's like i'm not gonna masturbate because i'm not doing anything i'm just focusing i'm saving up all of my energy you know, for this, but like to do it as as a lifestyle is so interesting it's just, because it's, it's just like, so dumb. What yeah. do these guys think they're getting out of not masturbating? Generally, it's women. Yeah, 
Which is, I, like, I know that there, there is, a, I will say, like, I've read enough into that community to know that there's a chunk of them for whom it's like, no, I had a real problem masturbating yeah. and I was getting nothing done because I had just an internet porn addiction. Yeah. And like, if that's your situation, like, totally reasonable. Like, I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna, and it's you also do like, what works it gives for you, you a man. Feeling of, like, <laughs> especially if you've been um, in it in such a way where you don't feel in control of your ability to masturbate and then you get you gain control you know it's it's a very empowering feeling so like i get you know why that would be it's like when you start to work out and you feel like you have you know more control over your body and you you know oh and my body can do more stuff than i realized you know Um, yeah it's just what it gets ridiculous is when you have to like turn it into a superpower and make it into this iron rule of nature yeah and then you have to like like, quote napoleon hill about it and why it's actually good like that's my least favorite genre of thing in yeah. human culture is like people who find a thing that works for them and then need to find a justification for why it's the best way for everyone to be. Yeah. Um it's like if because I'm a drug addict I were like no I've I've discovered through research that human beings only have a set quantity of sobriety in their life. <laughs> and so if you're not wasted most of the time you can't be sober when it matters. Yeah. Like it's fucking ridiculous. Like it's that like it's that ridiculous. Like that is my uh my my self help book, Get Wasted and Grow Sober. Um <laughs> which will be which will be coming out from Knopf Hill in uh December twenty nineteen. So uh you know, pre order it on Amazon. Yeah, well, there's a lot of wisdom in there. <laughs> a lot of a lot of those success jewels hidden in that book. Yeah. So, uh, this was a fun little digression. I always love talking about the no fap community. Same, um, absolutely. If Shout you're out. if you're a no fapper we're not trying to attack you, but if you call yourself a no fapper, it's fair game for us to giggle at you. Yeah, come on. Come come on. Come you don't, on. I don't need to know about whether you masturbate. You know what I mean? There's plenty here's the thing. There's plenty of people who don't <laughs> masturbate and just never talk about it. Yeah, there's lots of non-masturbators who don't talk about it. They're called women. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Women masturbate a no. lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. My bus driver doesn't masturbate. I ask him every day and he <laughs> he never says That's anything. That's probably about why he's it. so successful. I don't even ride a bus, but I just, I this guy's near my I house. I wait at the bus like stop. I wait for the doors yeah. to open. I say, do yeah. you masturbate? He says, no, go away. Did you come today? Doors, and <laughs> yeah. I'm satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So uh, Think and Grow Rich uh, was a huge hit, and Napoleon and his new wife, Rosalie, both grew rich. Uh, and in the true Napoleon Hill fashion, they immediately spent all of their money as quickly as it came in, uh, substantially faster than it came in, in fact. Oh, they were boy. so busy buying cars and a mansion and other nonsense that they forgot to pay back Napoleon's son, Blair, for the $300 he'd loaned them that had made it possible for them to survive while writing their self-help book. Um, classic Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love that he writes a book about how people who are successful do it completely on their own due to their own minds mm-hmm. and totally deserve everything they make and then fails to repay his son the $300 that allowed him to not live on the street while he was writing the book that made him rich. And the crazy There's thing a... is he really believes all this. Like he, you yeah, know, I'm sure apparently he, does. he was like an arch conservative and he was like, you can only do, you know, you can only achieve success through individual effort when the entire circumstances of his life are he's dependent on other people to fall for his lies so he can scam them out of money and then he just leans on various family members and non-family members, you know, his mm-hmm. wife's family members, until they get sick of him. Yeah. And I cannot yeah, think of anybody more supported by a community of people yeah, than this guy. He's incredibly supported. Literally yeah. no individual achievement at all in his life. He's never made anything that anyone wanted except for this book. And he's like, here's the thing. I did a bootstraps. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bootstrap my way into into yeah. It's 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 there's a lesson yep. uh, in in the story of Napoleon Hill. Yeah, tweet uh, at us if you can say, figure out what the lesson is. <laughs> yeah, 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 tweet at us, tweet at us, or buy bolt cutters. Yep. <laughs> A lot of a lot of rich people gates out there. Anyway, yep. um, yeah. In 1938, Rosa wrote Blair a letter bragging that she and Napoleon were so rich that they were now considering retiring. Uh, Blair sent back a letter asking if she might pay him back now, uh, and Rosa did not respond to this. Uh, Blair wrote his mother Florence a letter calling his dad uh, quote an unscrupulous holier than thou, two timing, double crossing, good for nothing, which is pretty fair. Yeah, and also you know a lot, you know, a very uh. Yeah, a very fair and um, clean assessment. Yeah. By 1939, however, the money had started to dry up. Napoleon and Rosalie cooked up a plot to try and draw interest back to their book and reinvigorate sales. Uh, They started claiming that they were going to adopt 15 children and raise them to be ideal Americans. They hinted that they discovered all of the bad parenting habits that most Americans were ruining their kids with. One of the big ones is abandoning your children. (laughs) No, that seems fine. That's a big one. That that one's fine. (laughs) In Napoleon Hill's case, that's actually the most responsible parenting right. habit yeah. is to abandon your no, children actually, immediately. Ab- like adopting fifteen children is is maybe one yeah. of the worst ideas he's ever had. Yeah, that's it's a terrible idea, and it never happened. Thankfully, Thank God. it seems it, it was it, it was either just a scam to get attention, or it was supposed to be they were like maybe working on another book. Like it seems like they might have been trying to put together a childcare book, uh-huh. but either way, the scheme didn't happen. Uh, because their marriage started to crumble shortly thereafter. And we'll talk about the sex cult that tried to raise an immortal baby that got sort of related to Napoleon Hill. But first, products! Services! Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? 
we're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. We're back. Wow. I got to know more. Yeah. This is the story that people reached out to me with wanting to know about when they suggested Napoleon Hill is a bastard, is this immortal baby cult that he got involved (laughs) with. And I hate to say it, it's not really that interesting a story. Um, Everything else about Napoleon's life is way more interesting. But there's a neat story, but it's it's not a very long one. The Cliss Notes is this. There was a weird cult called the Royal Fraternity of Master Metaphysicians, led by a guy named James Bernard Schaefer. Sorry, Master Metaphysicians? Yeah, Metaphysicians. Yeah. Uh, You'll understand why in a second. Mm -hmm. They were led by a guy named James Bernard Schaefer and were a part of the New Thought Movement. Most of their teachings revolved around thinking things into reality. Um, So they were kind of in that original strain of the New Thought movement where you could think yourself into better health. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had around 10,000 members at their height. uh, And in 1939, they were able to buy a gigantic mansion in Long Island. Now, the cult fell in love with Think and Grow Rich and quickly adopted it as one of their primary religious texts. And then in 1939, the cult decided to adopt a baby and make it immortal. Uh, they sort of adopted and sort of bribed the mother of a baby named Jean Gaunt. According to a write-up from hoaxes.org, quote, Baby Jean was given a private nursery where, in addition to a nurse who attended her 24 hours a day, she was constantly watched over by Schaefer's followers. The plan was to make her immortal by never allowing her to hear mention of death or disease, nor would she be exposed to any bad or destructive thoughts. No unkind words would ever be spoken in her presence. She would eat an all-vegetarian eternity diet. As she grew older, she would learn about tobacco, coffee, tea, mustard, vinegar, and spices, but she would never consume any of them. I'm sorry, mustard? Yeah, mustard. Wait a second. It's right up there. Okay, do- mustard and tea in the same level with tobacco and alcohol. Wow. Did, did Mormons eat mustard, right? Yes, I think Mormons are fine with mustard. What is this anti-mustard many sentiment? Many a sandwich that, prepared that, to this- me by Mormons. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The Royal Society of fucking mustard haters. 
Yeah, fucking mustard haters. It's also so cruel that you're going to, like, raise this baby and you're going to tell her about alcohol and tobacco and coffee, but, like, but you can never have these yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, if you're Presumably her in this as weird you iso- smoke isolation a cigarette. chamber, you might as well just never tell her about them. <laughs> yeah, you're never going to tell her about death, but you will tell her about alcohol, but say she can't take it because why? <laughs> I feel like there's can holes in the plan. Growing up and no one ever talking about death? Yeah, thankfully she did not. Uh, because n- n- none of this worked out. The wow, cult I can't almost believe this brilliantly thought-out plan didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Well, it, it, the baby's mother sued the cult for essentially abduct- abducting their kid. Right. And Napoleon doesn't really interact with this story much. As far as I can tell, his main crosses with this is both that the um, the cult used his book as like a religious text, uh, and they made him Baby Jean's godfather. Oh. Um, but I'm not aware of him ever actually meeting Baby Jean or even having much to do with the cult. Once again, he had for some the involvement better. with him, but like, yeah, he was not really, I don't think he was a big part of this. They did pose the baby with a picture of his book. Yeah, it seems like one of those things where he would have <laughs> Just like he he totally... po- him posing with Edison, baby posing yeah. with a book. It seems like he probably would have gotten on board with what the cult was doing if it had like worked out at all and they'd attracted a lot of media attention yeah, and like, but it kept just going really with go this plan. But it didn't really go anywhere and it certainly wasn't his his main burner scam. Yeah. Um his only direct interaction with the cult, as far as I can tell, is that he may have gotten its leader embroiled in a scam that eventually landed in a suicide. I mean, at this uh, point, the- who has he not embroiled in a scam? Yeah. <laughs> Every, like, the the whole world. The fucking at this world, point. yeah. Yeah. In the early 1940s, Schaefer, the cult leader, convinced one of his wealthy cult members to give him a lot of money to buy a magazine. The magazine flopped, and she sued him for grand larceny, for which he did five years in Sing Sing prison. In his appeal in court to try to fight the uh, the sentence, he claimed, quote, Napoleon Hill came to me on or about the 1st of December, 1939, and told me that he had an opportunity to purchase a magazine called Psychology for about $5,000, and that we could each put up $2,500 and become partners. He told me that although the magazine was then in very bad condition, it had once made $25,000 a year, and he thought that could be built up again. I was interested, but told him I hadn't the money. I decided, however, to try and borrow $2,500 to go into the venture, and with that in view, approached Mina Schmidt, the lady who sued him for the loan. I quickly stated to her the purpose for which I wanted the money, which I had been told by Mr. Hill concerning the history of the magazine and what he thought of the future prospects, notwithstanding its poor financial condition at the time. So that was Schaefer's appeal. He claims that Napoleon came up with a scam that got him put in prison. Mm -hmm. But his appeal was rejected. He may have just been lying. Yeah. He did five years in prison, and then he and his wife shot themselves in their car several years after being released. Whoa. It's hard for me to tell how direct Napoleon's role in any of this was, but just based on his personal history, I don't have any trouble believing that he used these people's trust in him to swindle them out of $2,500. Yeah, that sounds like something he definitely has done before literally hundreds of times. Now, the good news is that Napoleon himself did finally meet a grifter who was more than his match, his fourth wife, Rosalie. In 1941, with money running out, she finally got tired of him. While he was away giving lectures, she sold off all of their property, including his beloved Rolls-Royce, and then ran off and served him with divorce papers. Her justification was that he'd cheated on her, which was probably true, but considering Rosalie also immediately married her divorce lawyer, it's equally likely that Napoleon (laughs) just met a grifter who was faster on the draw than he was. She was his queen. Uh, She was the only one crazier than him. She got right the fuck out of there, sold off all their shit, and gone. And then she wrote self-help books, because now that she'd been attached to Napoleon Hill, she didn't need him anymore she could get self-help books totally published. she gave him so. the old napoleon hill treatment she got in there yeah. got a selfie and left mm-hmm. 
She Napoleon Hill, Napoleon Hill. Uh, I love it. Yeah, that's a happy ending for a scammer story. Yeah. Is like he marries this woman 20 something years younger than him, mm-hmm. and you think he's going to take advantage of her, but then she just robs yeah. him blind. Well, f- here's the thing first, she makes him rich. Like, she yeah. she writes his best selling, but she translates his she bullshit does. ramblings does. into like one of the best selling books of all time. And then she she's earned like, that Fuck shit off. for damn sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so Oliver Napoleon Hill never again repeated the staggering success of Think and Grow Rich. He continued to write and lecture for the rest of his life, but most of that life was spent near the edge of financial collapse. His next book, Mental Dynamite, published in 1941, was a flop. Hill I'm so married glad again I get in the, 19... you know, fill in your own Napoleon Dynamite joke here. Yeah, yeah, Hill, yeah, ah, damn it, you're right. Uh, I don't, I don't know what the joke is, but there's gotta be one in there. They'll make one, they'll make yeah. one. Now, Hill married again in 1943, and he made minor news in 1953 when he started urging the government to end the Korean War by nuking every single city in Russia, Um, (laughs) which is an interesting solution to the Korean War. (laughs) What if we kill all the Russians? Anybody tried that? That sentence had a real (laughs) twist ending. Yeah. He was an arch conservative. Like, you get the feeling he and General MacArthur would have gotten along. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, Napoleon Hill himself would know no more great success in his life, but in 1952, a book he inspired and helped to craft did become a big success, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. Now, The Power of Positive Thinking is still today one of the most influential books in the self-help genre, and Peale credited Napoleon Hill with helping him write the book. Now, you may not have heard of Norman Vincent Peale, but someone who does know who that guy is is President Donald Trump. Because Norman Vincent Peale was Donald Trump's pastor when Trump was a child. Decades later, Donald Trump recalled, quote, You always, when the service was over, you'd have said, I'd have sat there another hour. There aren't too many people like that. It wasn't the speaking ability. It was the thought process. For you see, Norman Vincent Peale was part of a tradition in American Christianity called Christian Libertarianism. The movement was spawned by conservative Protestant preachers who hated the New Deal and believed, quote, Freedom from government is a necessary part of freedom under God. And while Napoleon Hill wouldn't have identified himself as one of these sorts exactly, his writing laid the groundwork for them. I'm going to quote again from that article on New Thought from The Conversation. Quote, Peel's message was unequivocally nationalistic. As historian Christopher Lane writes, the idea that America needed a pro-Christian nationalism to head off an attack of atheistic communism was central to Peel's message, and he stuck to it zealously. Peel's identity as God's salesman for positive thinking was inseparable from his belief that only in a free market society could Christianity thrive. The article goes on to note that, quote, American exceptionalism is at the heart of Trump's Christianity. As theologian Stanley Hauerwas puts it, Christianity in Peel's hands was closer to a set of beliefs a follower could make up to suit their desires. Trump has adopted the strategy and applies it to the country. The link between Christianity and nationalism was evident at Trump's inauguration when prosperity gospel minister Paula White said in her invocation, We recognize that every good and every perfect gift comes from you, and the United States of America is your gift for which we proclaim gratitude. Wow. So that's neat. Yeah. Napoleon Hill ties into the today. Isn't that fun? Wow. Well, uh, oh boy. I mean, this is all just, isn't this really just Manifest Destiny repackaged? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is that same idea, which is like, the uh, Manifest Destiny is the idea you need to tell any people anywhere who are on top, because it's the, it for one thing promises to them that you'll stay on top forever. Yeah, and not only that you're, you're on top and you'll stay on top, but that everything you get through 
destroying other people's lives is actually uh, an expression of divine will through you. Yeah. Any financial power that you amass and and money is not a system of value created by and able to be destroyed by human beings, but is in fact just an expression of of God's will that is infallible. Yeah, if you're if you're somebody living in a giant mansion built on grifted cash, and you're hearing someone like me talking about how people should buy bolt cutters so they can make their way through your gates mm-hmm. and take all of your things, you need to believe that God himself has ordained your position and is protecting you. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of trouble sleeping at night. Yeah, and also, um, you know, even when people aren't scared, but when rich people just feel guilty, you know, when, when mm-hmm. rich people see the amount of suffering in the world— of people who who do not have the same wealth that they do, and they feel guilty, and they think, well, maybe I should be doing something about this. And then Norman Vincent Peale is like, no, 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 so, other politicians who were more directly influenced by Napoleon Hill include Newt Gingrich, who read Think and Grow Rich as a young man, and Mitt Romney, who was born rich and probably didn't need to do much thinking to stay that way. The Secret, which would sell 15 million copies, is basically a 21st century rewriting of Napoleon's masterpiece of positive thinking. Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, Stephen Covey, and a platoon of other modern self-help gurus all cite Napoleon Hill as foundational parts of their own grifts, although they don't call what they do grifting, yep. obviously, mm-hmm. even though they are. Now, Napoleon Hill died in Greenville General Hospital in South Carolina at 6.30 p.m. on Sunday, November 8, 1970. He was almost penniless. I could end this by pointing out that his work has outlived him, that a Napoleon Hill Foundation continues to sell every book he ever published, and that he has enjoyed something of a renaissance in our modern gilded age. But instead, I'd like to end by reading part of a weird-ass essay I found written about how Napoleon Hill hid secret magic rituals in his books. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I, I, I found this on a website called ButterflyLanguage.com, which is apparently the blog of a woman named Valerie Diorazio, who's a, she's a comic book and video game writer who's worked for DC, Marvel, and other big names, and she's also really into the occult. And she alleges that Norman Vincent Peale and Napoleon Hill were basically sneaking magic into a, like mainstream Christian thought. Y- uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Quote, both Hill and Peel discuss such heady stuff as thought energy, creative visualization, and flat-out mental telepathy, but they do it within a Judeo-Christian context that wouldn't freak out the mass audience at the time. Basically, they got that stuff in under the radar, and they do it in the most stripped-down, simple form possible. Some critics of Peel, and they are admittedly legion, accuse him of essentially practicing some sort of hypnosis voodoo on his readers by repeating the same stuff over and over. But it also works. It works. The Power of Positive Thinking is one of the most occult books I've ever read, specifically because it is presented as the exact opposite of such and thus seeps directly into your subconscious. Mm-hmm. She goes on to note, it should be no surprise that towards the end of his life, Napoleon Hill admitted that he was literally in touch with an extra-dimensional entity called the Master through mm-hmm. whom he pretty much channeled parts of his books. This is the author of Think and Grow Rich, folks, one of the most recommended business groups of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. So that's fun. So there's, yeah. so he's really, he is a, a lot more like L. Ron Hubbard than we thought. There's like an alien that's telling him what to write in his books. Yeah, and she also notes that Norman Vincent Peale had a lot of weird magic stuff in his own book. Like, he talked about something called the other self in the presence that, like, is almost this, like, quasi-magical thing. Is it like, just, like, astral projection? Yeah, I, I really don't know. Um, you know, I thought about this, yeah. especially when there was that whole Trump-Jim Baker coin thing. 
Um, yeah. do, do you remember that when they were advertising on Fox News? It was like a couple months ago. Uh, they made a gold coin with Donald Trump, not quite in profile because it turned out in profile he looked very bad, um, but sort yeah. of a downward, downward diagonal profile. And then uh, King Cyrus of Persia. Uh, oh, right, right, in profile. right. And yeah, they were they selling believe, this for like $45. Yeah. And what was crazy to me when I watched this clip was, you know, the, I, I've seen coin commercials, but I'd never seen one where the pastor uh, and the salesman is referring to it as a um, as a prayer coin. And what he says is, if you buy this prayer coin and you hold it while you pray for Donald Trump and you pray to bless America— all of our collective prayers will be transmitted. The, the coin itself is a is a fucking amulet. Oh my it's god! A fu- I mean, that's that's what he's describing. He's describing uh, a, an object that you put your magical it. energy into that then transmits that magical energy through the power of representation and focused thought, which is magic. That's all magical practice. This is occult as fuck. And I was like, uh, how is this on a conservative Christian channel? Isn't the whole point of Christianity that you're not supposed to pray to objects, that you're not supposed to have idols, that that the connection to God is is either direct or or through a, a religious leader? And I, I think that might be a little bit of the point that both that article on the New Thought Movement and that uh, this Valerie D'Orazio woman was making is yeah. that, like, Napoleon Hill is, like, kind of integral in sort of sneaking occult thinking into modern American Christianity. And, yeah. like, why? that's why some of this stuff has gotten so weird is because of his influence and guys like Norman Vincent Peale, which I think might mean that Donald Trump is technically an evil wizard. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's that information for you. Yeah. That's the episode. That's all I got. It's really funny to... Prosperity gospel Christianity is some of, like, simultaneously um, <laughs> the coolest, most fusion Christianity because it's basically magic, but also um, some yeah. of the dirtiest, most exploitative uh, uh, of, of modern religion that we've ever seen, which is just getting old people to give you their money. It's indulgences, essentially. It's like, give us the money and you, you get to go to heaven. Um, yeah, and we'll, it's we'll so We'll put in a word cool. with God for you, but also you're putting in a word with God for yourself by giving money to this pastor who is already uh, incredibly wealthy. It's frustrated to me because actual occult rituals and stuff are so much more fun. Like, I'm not a believer in any of that, but I've participated in some stuff with friends of mine, like weird goetic ceremonies and stuff where, like, you're drawn over the floor and there's candles everywhere and people are, like, chanting and, like, you've got, like, people, like, baking, like, like blood into, like, wafer crackers and stuff in order to have, like, a, a sacrament and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 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 cool and weird yeah, and wacky whole, like, and, that's like, what makes it interesting. ritual is that you have yeah. fucking incense and candles and you get dressed up in special clothes and... Yeah, you know, that's, it's fun. It, that's all... It's it's fun and it's also on purpose. It's to put you yeah. in a, a spiritual mindset or whatever, you know. Yeah. So it's like the power of positive thinking and thinking you grow rich are just um, that kind of like focused thinking type behavior of like casting a spell or whatever, but without all the fun stuff. No robes, yeah. no candles, just an old no fucking, scammer. Nobody's taking acid. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bullshit. If he had just included a paragraph that said, "And if you take acid and fuck while doing all this, <laughs> it works even better." No, no, like, no, no fucking. Yeah, we'd be in a very different place as a country, but we're not. Fucking well, Napoleon this is Hill. this is all um, very good evidence for uh, why no one should ever go to business school. Yeah, don't go to business school. Just visualize a path for success, and then you'll be rich. Yep.
and don't, don't jack off learn. ever. That's yeah. Don't that's jack off. Only secret. Think about being successful. Don't learn how like the stock market works, or like how to how to maintain payroll, or like don't learn a skill. How to, don't learn a trade. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do anything. Don't that learn need. a trade. Just promise trades are them useless. A lot of stuff. Don't deliver. Get the money and tell them they mm-hmm. can be whatever they want to be. Yeah, just just a. Uh, uh, grift and abandon everyone in your life until uh you die penniless um that that's the napoleon hill method i do like that he's one of the only guys like this we talk about who actually ends up without any fucking money (laughs) um because he was he was never good at any of this he's a bad scammer he's He's a bad scammer who got lucky he's a bad scammer who wrote one successful book and then found a scammer who was better than him who helped him write a second more successful book. Yeah. And everything else he ever did was a rank failure. And he was so dumb that he burned through all of his money as soon as he made it. And it's like cool that's to Napoleon know Hill. That, um basically all of the most powerful people in uh business and politics all think of this guy as a hero. Yeah, it's it's amazing to think of like it's amazing to think that somebody steering the country thinks that the advice in Think and Grow Rich is good. It's very scary to me because uh, at the heart, like like we talked about, at the heart of prosperity gospel Christianity is the idea that um, having money is both uh, proof of God's blessing and proof that other people should give you more money. Mm-hmm. You know, like those pastors, prosperity gospel pastors will say, you know, you need to give me money to prove that God is real or that you love God or whatever the fuck to prove God. And then they will also point to their riches as a sign that God loves them the most. Yeah. God has blessed me. Yes. And God has blessed me. Well, no, God didn't really too, bless could... you with it. Like a, a lot of people gave all their money. Yeah. A lot of very poor people gave you a bunch of money, you know, and yeah. they're like, well, God yeah. has blessed me. And then the poor people are like, you know, he does seem to be doing pretty good. Yeah. Well, he clearly God wants him to have money. Let's give him some money and make God happy. I mean, it's a, it's a way of um, engendering a, a slave mentality in in yeah. you know the working class uh, that will then govern their whole lives, you know, and make people think that that they're not worth anything on their own, that and their again, labor is not those... valuable, that money is not tied to labor. I mean, to say something yeah. like what Marianne Williamson says, which is uh, the labor theory of value is obsolete in the 21st century and we need to go to a vibrational theory of value or some crazy shit. It's yeah, like, it's... yeah, okay, who who decides uh, who decides how much vibration there is, you know? Where's and the fucking part of what FDI makes... vibrations? That's part of what makes this all so fucking dangerous in my mind is that um... – like it sounds harmless enough on its head, especially when we're in this world. Where we've got groups that are like literal Nazis marching yeah. in the streets, and people saying really hateful things and talking about locking up kids. Someone being like, "No, it's you know the labor theory of value doesn't mean it. Like it, it's all vibrations, and if we vibrate more positively, then that's going to like yeah. We need to raise the consciousness to... of the poor in order yeah, to it... so they won't be poor anymore. It's like no people are poor because they fit into a capitalist system that requires the majority of people to be poor, so that a very small percentage can be ultra rich yeah and that and it's an excuse you know i'm not going to say marianne wilson f- feels this way because i don't know her opinion on the social safety net right but that logic can is, is very easily can lead you to be like well no you shouldn't we shouldn't be giving services we shouldn't be trying to provide homes for the homeless or food at the very yeah. least for them we shouldn't be trying to like we should be helping them the raise their of our consciousness schools. instead yeah we should just you know we should just give them copies of napoleon hill's book <laughs> Which, if you're a rich asshole who wants to stay that way and doesn't want anybody else to catch up, 
you you could do a lot worse than just handing out free copies of Think and Grow Rich to the people uh, around you because yeah. it like it's a book that's designed not even designed because I think it was an accident because I don't think Napoleon Hill was smart enough to plan anything like this, but it sure as hell works that way. Yeah, which is amazing. Anyway, Incredible. what an American! I think that's the episode. I think, I think that's, that's it. That's, shall that's I, all we got. Shall I plug? Yeah, Sarah June, you want to uh, plug your pluggables before we roll out? I got I got all my pluggables at Hey Sarah June, H U Y S A R A J U N E. That's my website. That's my Venmo. That's my Instagram. Uh, you can follow me. I am uh, making some shows for Means TV at Means underscore TV, uh, uh, an anti capitalist entertainment cooperative. Uh, we're coming out with some shows uh, uh, in 2020. So follow them on Twitter and see see some stuff we made already. And I'm Robert Evans. My self-help book, Drink and Grow Sober, will be out uh, this December. So so please check it out. It's critical information for all of you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at IWriteOK. You can find this podcast on the internet, BehindTheBastards.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at, at BastardsPod. You can buy a t-shirt, tpublic.com. And that's it. That's the fucking episode. I love about 40% of you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.